the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Life-changing talk radio. Worldwide at WAVA.com. You're listening to 105.1 FM. WAVA. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of John, chapter 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb. What was she doing? She was crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, what did he say? Mary. Mary. One word, called her name. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. There's a lot of things that we could talk about in this passage. Obviously, uh, Peter and John coming to the tomb and seeing that it's empty, and they're still trying to process all of this. They're not putting all the pieces of the puzzle together because just think about all the things that had happened in a matter of three days. Jesus had been arrested. He'd been crucified. Peter denied the Lord. He had all this stuff that was going on. So, I mean, if you, you think about all the different events, they're trying to process all of this, and now they're being told that the tomb is empty, and they're trying to wrap their heads around it. And so they leave the tomb after seeing an empty. They're still trying to figure out what's happening. And Mary stays behind. And this is Mary Magdalene. Now, it's important to know who Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene was a lady, when she first met Jesus, that Jesus had cast seven demons from her. Okay? Think about that. That she had had a life that before she met Christ, can you imagine having seven demons living inside of you? It's an incredibly horrible thing to think about. She had a miserable life. I tell you, one of the things you know about the devil is that if he's in you, he robs hope from you. And so she had no hope for her life. She had no sense of her future. But somehow, we don't know all the story of exactly how it happened, but somehow Mary from Magdala, Mary Magdalene, and of course Magdala, she met Jesus, and Jesus cast seven demons out of her. And she began to be a part of that group of ladies that traveled around with the disciples as they were a part of their journey, and as Jesus was a part of his teaching and healing ministry and delivering ministry to many others. And so she'd spent a large part of that period of time, three, three and a half years with Jesus. And of course, now she's seen him crucified. And she is grieving over the fact that the one who gave her hope is now gone, okay? That's what she's thinking. Now, can you imagine 
what she's trying to put in her mind. Okay, what does this mean for me and my future? I didn't have a future before I met him. He helped me, and then now he's gone. What is my future going to be from this time forward? And so she's struggling with all of this, trying to, again, understand what it's going to mean to her life. And so there in that moment, in her doubt, in her in her despair and her hopelessness, she's there at the tomb and she encounters the angels that are there. And of course, we read the story about that. And she thinks that they're the gardener, which by the way, couldn't you imagine something like this as you needing a gardener? But then in this moment, she realizes because Jesus now speaks to her and does one thing initially, what does Jesus do? Jesus calls her name. Now think about that, okay? Jesus calls her name. And I can just imagine in the process that when she heard Jesus call her name there at the tomb that day, that it reminded her of the first time that Jesus had called her name and brought deliverance to her life. And the Bible says that immediately she knew who it was because no one can speak your name like Jesus can, okay? And I want you to know today that Jesus knows your name, okay? And Jesus wants to speak your name to you, to let you know that you are personally very important to Him. In that moment, in the recognition that this was the Lord and that He was risen from the grave, that He was alive, and in that moment, she was also given a mission. And the mission that she was given was to go and tell the disciples that He has risen from the grave. And so Mary comes back and, and preaches the gospel message because the full gospel message is not just that Jesus died. The full gospel message is not Jesus died. The full gospel message is that Jesus died, but he rose from the grave, all right? And so here is Mary, and she is the very first evangelist, okay? So women, never underestimate the power. Jesus calls you as much as he calls men to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God. And so it's very important. In fact, the Bible says that in the last days, God will pour his spirit out upon all flesh, okay? His sons and his daughters shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and young men will see vision. I'm still trying to see vision. I don't want to get to the old man part, okay? Uh, so uh, as long as I'm seeing vision, hopefully it qualifies me to be a young man, all right? So... Uh, it's good, good to remember that. But remember that Mary was the first evangelist. And what message did she preach? He's alive. He is alive. And that means, as Hebrews chapter 13 reminds us, verse number 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. How can Jesus be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Because before even he came, he was, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, so he was, he is, and he is to come. He is the one of the past, the one of the present, and the one of the future. And so we serve the omniscient, almighty, eternal God. Jesus did not become something when he came to earth. He already was. He just took on flesh, in his flesh, died on the cross, rose from the grave, proving he was the Son of God, rose from the grave, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, from which he will come back again. But right now in our lives today, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And with this, to realize that as he speaks your name, he gives you a mission, he gives you a calling, he gives you a purpose to pursue in your life, and he also gives you the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. If you have your Bible, look at Luke chapter 18. 
And I'm going to start in verse 35 and then read down just a bit, just to set the stage for what transpired here in Jericho. As Jesus approached Jericho, so where are we right now? Jericho. So as he was coming toward the city, obviously coming most likely from the territory of Jerusalem, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So here is this miracle of a blind beggar receiving his sight on a road nearby coming into the city of Jericho, right? Now continuing to chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho. So now he's entering the city and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will repay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. I just want to draw an interesting distinction because here are two stories in the Bible of Jesus doing something for a person in Jericho, right? And the first story is this blind beggar by the roadside. And when Jesus comes by, do you remember what he did? He cried out with a loud voice, what? Son of David, have mercy on me. And one, one record of the story says that people tried to quiet him down and told him to be quiet. Don't bother him. He's not interested in you. And he just kept crying out all the more, all the louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so this was a guy that was doing everything possible to get Jesus' attention. All right. Everything he could to get Jesus' attention. And just a few verses later, as Jesus comes into Jericho, we have a man who climbs up into a tree to avoid Jesus' attention. Think about that, okay? One guy's doing everything possible to get Jesus' attention. The other guy's doing everything he can to hide from Jesus, right? And what I want you to know and remember is that everybody has a different personality, don't you, okay? Some of us are extroverts, and some of us are introverts, and some of us are, I don't know what kind of verts we are, okay? We're kind of somewhere in the middle, right? And what oftentimes, you know, we kind of get upset about who we are and wish that we were more like this or more like that. But here's the good news. Here was an extroverted guy in need by the roadside crying out, Jesus, son of David. And everybody's telling him, be quiet. And he's just like a loud mouth. I want to be, I want to get his attention. And the other guy kind of faded into the background, kind of hoping that Jesus wouldn't see him. Here's the good news. No matter what your personality is, first of all, you're uniquely you. Isn't that good to know? You're uniquely you, and God can find you right where you are, okay? If you're by the roadside crying out, or if you're kind of trying to hide away from the crowd, Jesus still knows where you are. John chapter 21, beginning in verse number 3. What happened was this. 
Peter is still dealing with his guilt. He's still dealing with his shame. He still hasn't gotten over the fact that he disappointed the Lord when the Lord needed him the most. And so this was the decision that Peter made. He says, I am going out to fish. Notice verse 13, John chapter 21. So what did Jesus originally call Peter from? Fishing. Now what's Peter going back to do? fishing. See, he's going back to his past. See, when you lose your vision for your future, you always go back to your past. Peter had lost his vision for his future. He didn't thought, God could never, ever use me again. I've blown it so badly. I'm just going to go back and do the only thing I know how to do. I'm going to go back to where I was before I met Jesus because I have messed up so badly. And so he says, I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. That's the kind of influence that Peter had. So the other guy said, you're going to fish. We're going with you, okay? And so he led them all back to the Sea of Galilee. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him because he had taken it off. He was out fishing and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Notice this, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a very, very significant experience in the life of the apostle Peter because he is dealing with something very deep on the inside of him that probably all of us here have dealt with before or dealt with at some level. It's the emotion of shame. It is the emotion of guilt. It is the emotion of feeling absolutely worthless that God could never use me. But Jesus showed up in Peter's life when Peter was in one of his most desperate moments. I am thankful that Jesus shows up when we're desperate, aren't you? Okay, that when you're in a desperate moment, you feel like that there's no hope for your future. Jesus is right there. Jesus came to them where they were. They were fishing, catching nothing. He said, throw your nets to the other side of the boat. And of course, that was reminiscent of the time that originally when Peter had been called by Jesus, he'd had a similar encounter like that with Christ. So all this stuff starts coming back into Peter's mind at that moment of what Jesus had done for him earlier. And so this was this moment that he realized this is the Lord. They come 
come onto the shore. Jesus begins to bake a little breakfast for them, cook some breakfast for them. And then he has this one-on-one encounter with Peter. Can you imagine this? This is the same one that said to the little girls out by the campfire, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times he said, I don't even know him. One time the Bible says he even cursed and said, I don't know him. And now Jesus is with Peter again, eyeball to eyeball. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, oh, he's grieved because Jesus is asking him the third time, do you love me? And once again, Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. So what I want you to see there in that moment, Jesus was bringing Peter back into full restitution. Our Jesus is a Jesus of forgiveness and a Jesus of restoration. Isn't that good to know? That when you blow it, when you've messed up and you feel like that there's no future for you, Jesus comes along and looks at you eyeball to eyeball and says, there still is a future for you. There still is a hope for you. There still is something that I want you to do. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, and what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So what is this over here? You see the sea, okay, the Mediterranean Sea. And so you go, I think it's about 40 miles south of here. And you'll go past Tel Aviv to Joppa by the sea as well. And so here's here's this uh, Roman centurion living right here in Caesarea. He has this vision. He's a God-fearing man, but he needs to know more about God and how to have a relationship with God. So it's not just enough to know about God. You need a personal relationship with God. Amen? And so this man knew about God. He was a God-fearing guy. He gave generously, but he didn't have a full understanding of who God was. And so he needed someone to come and share the gospel with him. God gives him this vision. Now, beginning in uh, chapter chapter number 9 of chapter 10 of Acts, the story continues. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And so here in Caesarea, the Roman centurion has had a vision. And the next day, when Peter is down in Joppa, what does he have? He's going to have a vision, okay? And so he goes up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And so now again, the day before, a Roman centurion 
who now is not a Jew, okay, he is a Gentile, of course, and prior to this time, the church has really reached out to Jews coming into faith in Christ, and now this is going to be the first opportunity that the gospel will go outside of the realm of Judaism in reaching broader group of people, the Gentiles. And of course, Peter has to be prepared for this because Peter is only thinking about the Jews coming to faith in Christ because, of course, Jesus being a Jew and the Jewish Messiah. But he doesn't realize that the gospel is for everyone. Aren't you glad the gospel is for everybody, all right? He was not just to be limited to the Jews. And so, but Peter has this vision about these animals coming down in a sheet and God saying, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. So what's happening for Peter is his his mind is opening up to the fact that the gospel can go beyond the Jews to actually reach the Gentiles as well. And so there's this moment that he has this amazing revelation. Now, same chapter, chapter 10, beginning in verse number 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those that heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's what happened. Right after Peter has this vision... Here are the guys from Caesarea, where we are now, that show up in Joppa at the gate. Peter's just finished this, experiencing this vision. They're at the door asking for Peter to come here to Caesarea to share the gospel with Cornelius. So Peter comes along with some believers from Joppa to Caesarea. They come to the house of this Roman centurion, Cornelius, and the gospel is preached to them. And while they are hearing the gospel, the Holy Spirit is outpoured upon them as the gospel is being preached. And the Bible says that they knew the Holy Spirit had been outpoured on them because they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance, which was the sign that had come upon the Jewish believers in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so Peter was able to say, wow, God is doing the same thing with the Gentiles that he did with the Jews. It was a sign that God was showing up. And so he said, hey, if God is bringing them into his kingdom, we can't forbid that they be baptized. And then, of course, they were baptized in water as well. So I'm going to give you just a few things to remember as a part of this journey. It will help you to remember Caesarea and the message for you. The first thing that you understand is before anyone comes to faith in Christ, God always prepares prepares the person, right? You didn't come to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life without God preparing you. And you can look back on your journey and you can remember before you met Jesus, there were things that happened in your life that brought you to an awareness, I need more than I have right now. And God prepared Cornelius in a very unique way with that vision. God is always in the process of preparing people to come to faith in Christ. And so that's why you and I, in our day-to-day journey, our interaction with people, we ought to always be thinking about who around us is God preparing right now for the gospel message. And so there was this moment that God prepared a man for the message, Cornelius, but also God prepared a messenger by the name of Peter. And so as God prepares people for the message, he prepares you to be the messenger. Isn't that good to know? Okay. Every person has a purpose and part of your purpose on earth after coming to faith in Christ is to become a messenger of hope, a messenger of the gospel to other people. 
And then what occurred here was this, because Peter was willing to be obedient. Peter had to expand his world to reach people that otherwise he would have never been able to reach because God showed him that everybody is a candidate for the gospel. And so he walked in obedience and shared the gospel with someone who was, who was prepared by God for it. And there in that moment, not only did Cornelius come to faith in Christ, but actually his whole household came to faith in Christ. There was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them. They were baptized in water. And right here in Caesarea, there came for the first time in history, the beginning of an early church that transpired because of one man, Peter, being obedient to the vision that God gave him to share the message of the gospel with another person. So part of my prayer for us is that you will once again feel reinvigorated, re-energized with the power of the Holy Spirit to realize that God called you not just to save you, but God called you to put you on a mission. Just like God put Peter on a mission, God called you to be on a mission every day of your life, that every place you go, every circumstance you're in, that you never know that God might have a Cornelius that he has already prepared to bring into your world so that you can share the gospel with them so that not only their family can be saved, but actually a foothold of the gospel can be established in a way that perhaps you never dreamed possible. Perhaps, as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.